0: Greetings and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and many others. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, and the Family Podcast Network. Podcast episodes also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 8.20 a.m. across Central Virginia, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. That's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. I'm Will Seldon with VHHA, and today we're pleased to be joined by Taryn Dwan, triathlete, cancer survivor, and mother of three. We'll discuss her treatment journey at VCU Health and more, but first, welcome to the show, Taryn. Thanks for being with us.
1: Yeah, thanks so much
0: for having me. We appreciate you taking the time. And I always wonder about the order of the descriptor words in the intro. It's always a point of question for me. And I, I realize I listed mother of three at last, but I imagine that might be probably close to the front of the list if you were to describe it. So before we get into your treatment and your recovery and all that sort of stuff, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family and what folks should know about you.
1: Yeah. You know, it's always really weird when you hear anyone interview you at
0: all, I think, and using the word
1: cancer survivor or just using descriptives of of who I am now as an adult is always very funny. So no worries there. But yeah, I am a mother of three. I work full time. I've been a nonprofit fundraiser for most of my adult life. And my family and I reside here in Virginia in Central Area. We're over here in Williamsburg. And I've always been sort of interested in sports or athletic and sort of driven by sports in general. So yeah, in my (laughs) soon to be 40s here, I guess I am a triathlete. I completed my first triathlon last summer and hoping to do a few more coming up this spring and summer as well.
0: That's awesome. Well, yeah, you definitely got to own that title then. If you've completed one, you're definitely a triathlete.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's something.
0: You were featured in a recent article from VCU Health, which is where I saw your story that you were training for a triathlon when you were diagnosed with stage three cervical cancer back in early 2021. So if you're comfortable, tell us a little bit about that diagnosis and what sort of internalizing that information was like in that whole process.
1: So I wasn't actually completing for a try at that one, but I did complete a try last summer. But I actually, with a bunch of my friends, we were training. I wanted to have sort of a record breaking time for me, a personal goal for a half marathon. And so a bunch of friends of mine were training and, and one of my friends who's a running coach would had me on sort of a fun sort of strict schedule to try to get my time where I wanted it. So overall, I was probably the most fit I've been in a really long time. Um, I was incredibly active and pretty in tune with my body. We had recently moved down from the Annapolis, Maryland area where I was just told I was always religious, had my last pap when I was up in the Annapolis area, and they said, you know what, you don't have to come back in a year, you can come back in two. And so if anyone out there has moved often and has children, you know that it's a little bit of a relief not having to worry and find your own doctors as quickly as you're trying to get kids with their pediatricians and registered for school and doing all of those other things. So hearing that news, although I've always been religious and gone every year, gave me a little bit of a a reason to procrastinate, or at least, you know, a grace period. And so during all this training, I started to just not quite feel right. Nothing, no pain, nothing of the normal symptoms, just something felt off. And I started having some very subtle symptoms and some random little things. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just make my appointment. And so I did. It was about a year and a couple months. So it was the fall after I had my last pap and. Went in and was told quickly that I needed to, you know, that I had an abnormal pap and I needed to have a colposcopy. Given that it was during COVID period, my colposcopy was delayed several times due to scheduling based on how many people they were allowed to have in offices and different things of that sort. So when I finally went in for that procedure, it was February of 2021. So actually just two years ago, almost to the day this past weekend, and they saw the tumor in the procedure. And so I was told pretty much in that room that I needed to quickly get into Massey and that there was very little other possible scenario that it could be other than a cancerous tumor based on how it was growing and where it was growing on my cervix. So it was, I mean, if anyone's ever heard those words, I just remember pretty vividly saying, I have three girls. And she said, I know. And I just kept saying, but I have three girls. (laughs) You can't tell me I have cancer if I have three girls. And obviously there was a very small amount of hope that it was something else or something different, but she was pretty adamant just again, based on you know where it was growing and things like that. But they sent it away for pass and I left that procedure. Actually, I was supposed to have a meeting with my president later that day for an event that was going to be launched in a few days. And for my organization, I called a coworker who handled the situation amazingly, she's somebody that we could all sort of take a note. She just said, are you safe? I said, I'm fine. She was asking about the girls. She said, are the girls okay? I said, yes. She said, can you get home safely? And I said, yes. And she said, then I'll take care of everything else. And I went home and talked with my husband and it was a pretty emotional 72 hours after that period until we got into to cancer to to start to get some information and understand what the next steps were going to be.
0: Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I think There's obviously so much that goes into a situation like that, but one of the things that really struck me is how in tune you are with the little sort of relationships that you notice or appreciate in those moments. And like you said, if anyone's ever gone through a situation like that, having people around you, whether it be coworkers or friends or family that sort of pick up the slack and just say it's taken care of, that's super cool that you're able to recognize that in the moment and now and and all that sort of stuff. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. I think that you know, it's funny, again, I just celebrated my two-year anniversary, if you want to call it that. It was Literally the other day, I was diagnosed the day after my daughter's birthday. Um, So she just turned 11 and it was the day after her ninth birthday. So we literally, there's a lot of reflection in that time. And I think, you know, it's really interesting, your whole perspective, everything. I used to work for a nonprofit cancer organization and how I handled a lot of situations or traumatic situations with people that I dealt with, whether it was through an event or, you know, through a tragic situation that I was with a constituent, you know, you realize really quickly once you're through something yourself that maybe you didn't handle all those situations the way that you would have liked to. And so, you know, there's a lot of reflection in that and a lot of learning and a lot of growth. And, you know, everyone really means well, but it really is interesting, those interactions that stick out with providing an amazing deal of comfort when you're going through something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you get this test result, you're told to connect with Massey. When you do that, you get connected with Dr. Devin Miller, who's a gynecological oncologist at Massey Cancer Center. And in this article that I saw, one of the things that seemed to stick out was the sort of patient provider relationship that you described. And you talked about how you had some commonalities between the two of you, you know, whether it be through your love of sports or or whatever it may be. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how that relationship helped you through your treatment process and maybe helped you form a little bit more of a closer bond with that provider and and how that helped?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm incredibly lucky that I had or have a team around me that I felt so connected to so quickly. I have a, a little bit of an inappropriate sense of humor maybe at times. And when you're faced with a cancer diagnosis and you start to be faced at a younger age with your mortality, you know, I'd like to say that, I was able to handle those situations and stay positive even during some really dark times and, and not positive during dark times because I had people around me that I really trusted. Right, And um, I feel incredibly fortunate that I had her and still have her. She's become a very, you know, somebody that I've really counted on throughout this. She, I don't know if I should say that she gave me her cell phone, right? Like, you know, just having access to who she was at any time when you're going through things and you are in treatment and you're having some really insane side effects. You don't know what's normal and you don't know what's not. And Google is not always your friend. And being able to have a direct line to someone that you trust built I can't even really describe it in words for what that meant for my husband and myself. She also could deal with my inappropriate sense of humor, maybe um, a little bit too. And that, that really helped. And laughter is to be cliche, but it is the best medicine for me. I like to laugh through those situations. I'd like to make people smile and there's not, you know, our cancer ward isn't the best place to be, right? There's a lot of dark things and there's a lot of bad moments that are happening around you and, you know, finding some relief in that is really important. I also think, you know, she is an athlete herself and she knew and knows how important being active in my own personal lifestyle is to me, to me feeling like myself and feeling whole. And so she's worked really hard to try to help me maintain that level of normalcy through this. You know, there are moments where it's not possible, you know, when you're in your fourth or fifth round of chemo and, and different things are happening to your body hard to feel for anyone to feel normal. And, but I I do, I'm incredibly grateful for the relationship that I have with her, the relationship that she had with my husband. And, you know, I sometimes joke and, you know, maybe she's the best chameleon ever to be able to adapt to my personality and be able to understand me to make that work. But if she is, then she's one hell of a doctor because being able to do that and being able to understand who her patients are and provide what they need during this time is the really valuable characteristic. So I feel incredibly fortunate and I wouldn't trade I literally would not trade that for anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, so often you hear about when people or patients are going through really difficult times, relationships are what get you through, what like I said, whether it's family, friends, your team of healthcare providers and it's so nice to have someone who you feel like is on your team who's also providing care. So that's really cool that you had that experience. You described how this diagnosis came about a little bit and how you were sort of proactive and going to get that screening done, especially over the course of the COVID pandemic. A lot of folks have delayed getting screenings and treatment that they might otherwise have gotten if it weren't for the COVID pandemic. So I wonder if you could share a little bit about or maybe just a message to folks about how important that is because delayed care can really impact you down the line. And and I think you're a great example of someone who felt something and just decided to go get something done about it. So maybe what's your perspective on that? And what message do you have for folks?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was diagnosed with stage 3C cervical cancer, again, religious about my well and women's visits every year, pretty much since the age of 18, maybe a little bit before. And when they told me two years, it really caught me off guard. Again, at the time, and looking back, it was a luxury for me to be able to have a little extra time. But if I had waited another month I mean, where would that have been? So in my specific instance, you know, I had a tumor growing on my cervix and it spread to my lymph nodes. So in the upper area of my pelvis, it spread. And the fear is, is obviously that it would continue to spread, right? And if it spreads to, in and metastasized in multiple other areas, you know, my treatment course would have been different or my outlook would have been much different. And as it was already, it was already, a, you know, a stage 3C diagnosis. So, you know, my message would be trust your gut completely. And if there's something... That's a mental roadblock for you. I know that, you know, it's an intimate appointment and some women have a hard time overcoming that obstacle in their brain on what it is or for whatever reason that that's an uncomfortable situation for them. You know, I can totally understand where they're coming from, but... It's just not worth your life. It's not worth that risk. You know, making sure that you educate yourself on what the HPV vaccine is, why it exists and who it's for is also incredibly valuable resource for people out there. My oldest daughter just turned 13 and just completed her second cycle of the vaccine. You know, that was a non starter for us in our house, but a lot of people don't have the information out there. They haven't asked the right questions or they're ashamed or nervous too. And I would just say, I hate to say this in this way, but a little bit get over it. <laughs> um, you know, there's certain things that are just not worth messing around with. And if you have the opportunity to go and take care of something and or catch something early, it's, it's a thousand percent worth it. So go take the risk and just get out there and take care of it.
0: Looking forward after all of this. Again, I reference this article. I read your training for an Olympic distance triathlon this summer, and I, I want to get this right which is a 1500 meter swim for folks who are unaware, 1500 meter swim, a 40 kilometer bike race and a 10 kilometer run. First things first, is that right? And if so, can you give us an update on your training and where you are with your overall health these days?
1: Yeah, so that's right. And one of the biggest things for me was I've done. I'm I'm not like a super athlete. I'm not like this crazy person out there, but I'm, I'm sort of your everyday person who just likes to stay active. And one of the biggest things for me was to start competing in races or start you know, I'm not going out there to be on the podium. I'm just going out there to finish it and give myself sort of meaning and purpose and some of my training and motivate myself to do it. And I wanted to do things that I've never done before. So when you're coming back from a cancer diagnosis and you're coming back from that journey, you know, things don't work the same. My body is not quite where it used to be. And I'm working really hard on regaining a lot of strength. And, you know, I'm two years into that diagnosis. And I know I still have a ways to go to go back to where my body was if I can ever get to that place or just Rebuild it differently than I had before. And so, yeah, so I'm looking forward to competing in new challenges that I've never done before so that I don't have a baseline so that there's nothing to compare myself to. I'm just starting fresh from new goals and a new mindset. And that motivates me and challenges me in a, in a much better way and gives me a nice break from, you know, a lot of those sentiments that can scoot into your brain of comparing yourself to who you were before. I don't really want to allow myself to do that. I allowed myself in the very beginning stages of trying to get back and active and it wasn't great for me. So, you know, now I really work on giving myself grace and trying to find pause where I can and just enjoy the moment of being able to be active and do some of these things that it's a privilege to be able to go for a run or go for a bike ride or go for a swim. And so I'm sort of enjoying it there. So yeah, from a recovery standpoint, you know, right now I'm currently no evidence of disease, which is for sure a reason to celebrate. And I feel incredibly fortunate that I'm able to say that. I know a lot of people who can't. And so I know how lucky I am to be able to say it. And I want to take advantage of the opportunity to rebuild my body and be present in the moment. So I'm going to compete in the Olympic one this summer. and we'll see if that takes me to any other ones. But again, don't expect to be on the podium, but certainly <laughs> excited just to sort of be out there and be active. And with the weather changing and 70 degrees today, it certainly helps <laughs> provide oh, some I motivation
0: know. to get outside. I know. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for the warm weather. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's so awesome. And I mean, I, I think that's such a cool message. It's not always about Pushing yourself to try to win and get on that podium, sometimes it's just about pushing yourself and giving yourself motivation to get out there and compete and be the best version of yourself. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah, absolutely. Before we let you go, we have a tradition on this podcast to ask our guests a few fun questions just to close things out. So I have a list of 10 mystery questions to keep our return listeners on their toes. So when you're ready, if you could give me two numbers between one and 10, I'll read those corresponding questions for you.
1: Sure. How about two and five?
0: Alrighty. Number two, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We'll spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival (laughs) kit picks? Wow. Um,
1: That's a tough one. There's lots of faults in my answer for sure. And I know that, but not reading too much into it or analyzing it, (laughs) it too much. Recently read Daisy Jones and the Six, which is a really fun, very quick read, but a very fun read. So, and they're coming out with a new Netflix series. So I'll go ahead and just say that because it's a fun one and it's light on your toes and there's some love story, but there's some rock and roll. So it's, and it's (laughs) it was fun. I'll go there to keep it light and easy. Movie. I might have to say Bull Durham. It's classic, but you just can never go wrong with a classic movie. Sports, love, baseball. I'm going to go there.
0: I told him I was going to throw a deuce, right? Yep. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry.
1: Um, and then, sorry, what else was I supposed to tell you? One album. Oh, one album. Oh, gosh, that's nearly impossible. Or well, you, you um, can pick an
0: artist as well if that's easier.
1: Let's go with... I think I'll have to go with Right now, I'll maybe I'll pick Kenny Chesney, okay. just because there's a huge variety, and if you're stranded on an island, you're that's certainly going to want That's right. That's there, deserted so. island music right there. That's
0: for <laughs> sure. every time I hear that song, and I go back to a two-tone short Chevy, driving my first love out to the levee, living life with no sense of time. I go back to the feel of a 50-yard line, a blanket, a girl, some raspberry wine. The time would stop right in its tracks. Every time I hear that song, i I'll, I'll go back. Okay, and then you said number eight as well? Uh, number five. Number five, excuse me. Okay. If you could spend the day with one person from history, living or otherwise, who would it be and why? Man. And if you want to combine the two questions and say a day on a deserted island, you can but you don't have to. <laughs> um,
1: I think there's a lot that I could pick on this list, but I think I'll go sentimental and go with my grandmother who passed away about... I don't know, eight years ago or so. And she was a huge role model in my life and continues to be. And I'll go back for an extra day with her. Love it.
0: You cannot go wrong there. Well, those are two great answers. And with that, we have come to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. We want to once again thank our guest Taryn Duan, for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you.
1: Thanks, Will. I really appreciate it.